heard about this videotape? The one where they do it on the boat, and then in the car, and then in the bathtub? And he's like, hey, baby, I love you. No, not that tape. Three times the terror. You watch it, and your phone rings, and a creepy voice says, you're gonna die in... I'm gay. Who's gay? Can you hear me now? Yes, perfect. Three times the suspense. Where is my daughter? Are you mad? I am your daughter. You like it, Juice? Oh, shit, we're starting. <laughs> I wasn't ready. The can is open. The podcast has started. There's no turning back now. Welcome to Saturday Night Drive, everybody, where we make really poor decisions, and we know like, really far ahead of time that they were poor, and we still do them anyway. Yeah, in retrospect, picking to watch Scary Movie 3 was probably a bad choice. Well, okay, here's the thing. I thought this would be interesting, not necessarily good, but interesting in the same way that Epic Movie was, because it's like it, it was a parody movie referencing all these other movies that came out at the time, but now it's like however many years later, in this case almost 20 years later, I was like, oh, I, have I forgotten half the references? How many movies am I going to pick up on? How many references watching this so many years out? Uh, luckily... Apparently only like three horror movies came out in 2002 when they were mining material. So uh, it was actually pretty easy. Yeah, the, the stupidest thing about Scary Movie 3 is that it's called Scary Movie 3, but half the movie is parodying 8 Mile. That like terrifying, chilling film. Yeah, remember that, that classic mid-2000s horror movie, 8 Mile? And that other one, that uh, that uh, classic in the, in the horror genre, The Matrix. Yeah, it, this movie parodies really only like five movies, right? It's just like The Ring, uh, Signs. It's it's literally five movies because I did the thing because in the one epic movie when we did that, I kept a tally of all the movie references I was getting, and it was a fairly sizable list because they were referencing a lot of shit. I I did the same thing, anticipating a similar reference a thon. Five movies. The Ring, Signs, 8 Mile, The Matrix, and The Others. Yeah. Uh, oh, it. The Others. Uh, Pootie Tang gets more <laughs> references than any other movie. I didn't count it because it was a reference to the <laughs> film Pootie Tang and not like an actual like scene from the movie. But when he goes into the, the Michael Jackson scene where he goes with the little girl, that's from The Others. That's the only thing that isn't... That's the only other horror movie they reference. Oh, okay. I missed that one. There might have been others that I missed, but that those are the ones that I picked up on and I was paying attention in their defense in 2002 when they were all the movies that came out that they were referencing there weren't wasn't a lot more than that there was like 28 days later and the grudge were the two big ones that i noticed that they might have missed but otherwise it was like queen of the damned or you know they i don't know if you remember the classic 2002 film they but then why make the fucking movie that's the thing the, there was always an option to not do it or wait until there was a year where there was a better crop of horror movies yeah, just, just yeah. wait a couple years, get a little more material to work with, because this movie is just, uh, there's fucking nothing in this fucking movie. Basically follows the plot of signs, and then they just throw in, uh, they mix in the ring. And that's it. That's the movie. It's the, the ring mixed with signs, um, with some fucking bad jokes. Well, I think that the problem is the Scary Movie franchise, it set itself up, at the, and this was, I think, the one where they wanted to, to do this, much like a lot of horror movies where if they get successful, then you have to pipe one out every year. That was like the Halloween movies were like that for a while and the Friday the 13th movies, all these actual like, and Scream, which is kind of what started the Scary Movie franchise. 
I think they were they were coming out pretty much like every year, every two years. I felt like they maybe they didn't feel like they could afford to wait longer because people would just forget. They would stop giving a shit about the Scary Movie franchise if they didn't have one out every year. I guess. I, I don't understand the economics of this at all. But I am glad that they didn't go with their first choice. Did you read the trivia on uh, IMDb for this? I could not be bothered. <laughs> uh, apparently, after the Wayans brothers left the franchise after Scary Movie 2... They offered this film to our favorite duo, Friedberg and Seltzer. And and they turned it down. I guess when was Date Movie? Were they making that like at the same time or something? They probably jumped the ship to to go to Date Movie. But apparently Harvey Weinstein, again, I, I hate to praise Harvey Weinstein, but he made a great decision here by not hiring Friedberg and Seltzer. Because their initial pitch was to call it Scary Movie 3, Episode 1, Lord of the Brooms. Because they wanted to focus mainly on Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter uh, parodies. Ooh, that. But that. I mean, okay, fine if you want to do that, but make that a separate franchise of basically do what they did with Epic Movie, call it Epic Movies or whatever. Yeah, to do that in the scary. Of course, again, this movie fucking parodies Eight Mile more than anything else. So this movie is so much Eight Mile for about twenty minutes. This movie is a straight up parody of Eight Mile, an unfunny parody of Eight Mile. To the point where I was just like, I guess this is the fucking movie now. And then it's never Eight Mile again. I, I guess that's where we meet Anthony Anderson and Kevin Hart. But did we I, need Anthony Anderson and Kevin Hart? I would say no. No, not, well, apparently, that's another part of the trivia. Apparently, Anthony Anderson was so popular in test screenings that they uh, had reshoots to add him in the film more. But I'm saying, like, you could have made him a character in the the Ring storyline or in the Signs storyline or anything that actually fit with the horror movie parody motif rather than just say, oh, yeah, I guess we're also doing 8 Mile, as if he even really fits in there because nothing fits in anywhere because it's all just random bullshit. It's not as random as Friedberg Seltzer, but it's... And that's the thing to me about this movie. It is more competent than any of the Friedberg Seltzer movies, at least the ones that I've seen. But it's still shitty. But, like, it's not like, like... Like, Epic Movie is kind of interesting in how shitty it is. Like, you wonder, like, how they thought they could get away with something like that. This, like, I get it. I get that, like, it was mediocre, but it, it proven success to so the studio. was like, yeah, sure, I guess. Like, there's nothing interesting about how bad this movie is in the same way that there is with Epic Movie, or even Plump Fiction. No, it's more sad, because I can tell that behind the camera, they know what comedy is. I mean, this this was the guys who did Airplane. Um, and then, in its credit, it does get a little better once Leslie Nielsen pops up at the end, and George Carlin. I started, like, but also that's when I started playing on my phone a little bit, too, because I started checking out. But once Leslie Nielsen showed up, I was like, I'm, I'm at least enjoying Leslie Nielsen. I feel like every 15 or 20 minutes, there was a joke that I either chuckled at or smiled at. Like I like uh, Charlie Sheen with the donut and the hot dog trying explaining. There were two. There were about three or four scenes that I found legitimately funny. But for the most part, I was just uh, I was bored out of my fucking skull. And I guess I'm expecting too much from them. But with the Eight Mile parody, like I said, it's 20 minutes of Eight Mile, and then that never comes back. I was expecting, like, at the end, he would be a rapper again. Like, Simon Rex's character is introduced as this white rapper, and then it's 20 minutes of an Eight Mile parody, and then he's never a rapper again. Like, he never raps with the aliens at the end. I thought for sure... 
there was going to be some kind of point, some kind of reason for the 8 Mile parody being in the movie. But there is none. It's just 8 Mile for 20 minutes in the middle of the movie. And here here was what I kept thinking as I was watching, specifically this character. He, Because he's introduced, uh, prior to him being the guy from 8 Mile, he's introduced as the, the Joaquin Phoenix character from Signs. And they do the thing at the end, the swing away joke. But in this case, he beats a small child with a baseball bat. If it, if it was me doing this, I would have him maintain that character as he's the the Joaquin Phoenix character. But you have the flashback where Charlie Sheen was told by his dead dying wife, swing away, tells uh, this guy to swing away. He tells him that early on. And he, he's like assuming like my fate is to, to swing this baseball bat at something. So he's constantly whacking everything with a baseball bat through the entire movie. Is this where I need to swing away? Is this my destiny? And he's like beating it like everybody to death with baseball bats. It's a running joke. It fits the theme of the movie that they're, that they're referencing. And you don't have to introduce a fucking Eminem rap movie. Or his character goal could just be he's a white rapper for 20 minutes and then it's never brought up again. Uh, speaking Why? of things that are never brought up again, <laughs> can we just start with the cold open of this movie with Pamela Anderson and Jenny McCarthy having a fucking pillow fight for what? What the fuck was this? OK, I think I remember this and what it why it's there. Because, again, these movies started out as parodies of the Scream franchise. And the Scream franchise was notable for having cold opens that were disconnected otherwise from the rest of the movies. So I think the, the the first two scary movies, I know the first one did, but I'm sure the second one did as well, parodied that. So then that became a tradition in the scary movie movies to do a weird cold open that has no bearing on the rest of the movie. <clears throat> so it's like a weird telephone game of, of parody mutation. Okay, because I do remember, I think I saw a little bit of Scary Movie 5 where it's Charlie Sheen and uh, Lindsay Lohan in the cold open, and I believe they're in a paranormal activity spoof. I saw a little bit of that as well because I accidentally downloaded Scary Movie 5 first, <laughs> realized what it was, and then had to download this again. Well, also, I watched Scary Movie 3.5. Is that the version you, you downloaded? Yeah, I don't know what the distinction is. I didn't look that up. I'm guessing this is the DVD version with... Um, is there additional stuff? That's what I couldn't figure out. Like, what was additional? Like, because it wasn't dirty. Like, this still feels like a PG-13 rated movie. And there weren't, there weren't any actual actual boobs. There's no nudity. There's no titillation, I suppose. You just very get, literal titillation. But. Yeah, we just get a lot of TNA in the Pamela Anderson and Jenny McCarthy cold open, and then we get a sh- one shot of like uh, jiggly boobs. Right, but before. even then they have a they have a bra on, so there's no right. actual nudity. But then that's right before they uh, parody the. Remember the Coors Light commercial from 2003? Which it's like it's not even like. Like, if you were to parody the What's Up guys, I would remember what that was. Because that was, like, culturally indelible. The twins thing, I had to think about it for, like, five minutes. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. There was a fucking commercial about twins. And it comes out of nowhere because, like, Anna Ferris is like, oh, we need uh, this and this and this. And then Tim Stack goes, and twins? And then they just do that commercial for, like, 90 seconds. Um, and I will say, I did smile at that, but only because... Tim Stack was. That's the thing. Tim Stack is just a funny guy, and yeah, him like lecherously like looking between the twins. Yeah, that works, but it doesn't work as a gag because it's not a gag. It's just again, much like everything in Epic Movie, it's just a reference to a thing you would have recognized in 2003, but not necessarily in 2020. People don't care about this. They want hard-hitting stories and in-depth coverage, and 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 twins. 
But really, that's one of the only, like, throwaway references, I think, right? Because um, everything else is at least in the context of a scene. Like, they do go to Queen Latifah's house, and she's the oracle from The Matrix. But they have a whole scene there. Like, Epic Movie would just have, like, Borat walk in the frame and go, nice, and then walk out of the frame. Well, the only other thing I would say qualifies is the, the Michael Jackson appearance. Yeah, that's that's I think that this, that's the only one. But everything else, they at least try to weave into the plot as, like, haphazard and lazy as they do but it or at least they build a scene around it and that's like okay i can see that this is getting you from point a to point b to point c it's very sloppy and i can tell you didn't care but i can at least see you're trying to build a scene out of these references see but that's the thing i think to even say there's a point a to point b to point c is giving this movie too much credit it's point a to point b Let's hang around B for a long time and let's keep circling around B. And then I guess we got to get to C at some point, right? <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. Fuck it. Let's, this counts as C, sure. I mean, eventually this movie's got to end at some point. Which, this also, this movie's like an hour and 15 minutes. When, we got, when I got to the end of this movie, I was like, fuck, I have 10 minutes left? No, there's just 10 minutes of end credits at the end of this. And there's no blooper credits. This is like the one time I feel gypped by not having blooper credits. You feel like a movie movie like this would be tailor-made. In fact, I think Epic Movie had blooper credits, didn't it? Yeah, because they were showcasing how lame it was. Yeah, and I was surprised that this didn't have blooper credits because there's 10 minutes of end credits. But it's just credits. White letters on a black background and a rap song playing at the end. And I'm like... That's how you end your comedy? Okay. With ten minutes of boring end credits? One question I do have, because this might count as a sixth movie reference, but if it is, it's a dated one. Is the little kid supposed to be the kid from The Sixth Sense? I thought they were going for that, but then I thought, was he he just parodying the kid in the ring? I never saw the ring. I think the kid in the ring is also kind of like that. I don't think he has, like, psychic powers, but he's kind of like a weird... I remember him doing the drawings, so I, I thought maybe, yeah, it was just sort of conflating that, but... It, because that's the thing. If they're already parroting signs, which is four movies after Sixth Sense, so it's, it would be weird that they're doing another Shyamalan reference in the same movie. Yeah, no, and I know they parodied the Sixth Sense in the first scary movie, and I'm pretty sure they parodied the village in the second, maybe the fourth scary movie. The village was at one point parodied in the scary movie franchise. Well, the village would have been after Signs, so if it, I'm guessing it would be scary movie four at least. Maybe that was five. Or I don't know. I I think I've seen all of these movies for some odd reason, and I don't know why. I don't like them. I remember, I don't think, I, I don't remember anything about four if I ever saw it. So that's probably the only one I haven't seen, because I remember seeing five because that came out when we were podcasting. So I remember like, not us, but me and my, my friend Nate, and so, like, it was one of those things where it's like, it's a, it's a new movie that came out. I should see it. And then I regretted that decision. <laughs> well, let's talk about the reason for the season here. Uh, we watched this movie for good old Daryl Hammond. Which, did I fall asleep in the scene where he came back? Or did he not come back? I No, he never came back. He calls Anna Ferris at one point. <laughs> All right, so Daryl Hammond, SNL legend Daryl Hammond, shows up in this movie for one second as a priest and who's going to babysit the creepy little kid. And then he's lighting candles and he's pulling out a bottle of wine. So he's obviously going to rape the shit out of this little kid. And then later on, like halfway through the movie, uh, Anna Ferris gets a call and you think it's uh, the call from the ring video. Like you're going to die in seven days, 
But it's a call from Daryl Hammond just saying, hey, me and little Bib- Billy are getting along just fine. And she's like, okay, thank you. And that's the end you hear of that. There's, you never, it's just a joke that priests molest children, but it never goes any further than that. And the fact that just, I'm so obsessed with structure and narrative and setup and payoff and all these roles. The fact that I'm lamenting the fact that it's basically Chekhov's pedophile priest and they never pay it off. Like, that's where, where I am right now with Scary Movie 3. It's like, why didn't they bring back the priest that wanted to fuck that kid? Yeah, because they go back to, or they're, oh no, they're in a different house at the end. But uh, that would have been fine, you know, if the priest got his comeuppance or something. But they set up Daryl Hammond is going to rape this little boy. And then they don't, that's the end of the joke. They could have had a scene where, like, the aliens come in, Daryl Hammond's coming out of the, you know, uh, bathroom, like, oiling himself up, and the alien cuts his head off or something. But here's the thing, too. My, I mentioned to Nate that we were watching Scary Movie 3 this week, and the thing he brought up immediately was, oh, you mean the one where Daryl Hammond is the pedophile priest? So he remembered that distinctly, and he mentioned that his like indelible memory of this movie was Daryl Hammond wanting to fuck the, the ring girl. So oh. I'm wondering if maybe Scary Movie 3.5 cut out an entire thread of Daryl Hammond wanting to fuck the ring girl. Maybe. And I was confusing this for Scary Movie 2, which features uh, James Woods as the priest from The Exorcist. And I remember there's a scene in that movie where just James Woods takes a big shit. And in my mind, I was like, oh yeah, Daryl Hammond plays a priest and he takes a big shit. That'll be fun to talk about. But that didn't happen in the movie. And am I crazy? Or did he like poop on Reagan's face or something? Like... I can't remember. I want to say she puked on him, and he's like, as revenge, I'm going to poop in your face. (laughs) And then James Woods turned around and projectile shat on a girl? That couldn't have possibly happened. It's possible. I'm just conflating what I think of James Woods now as a person. And like, yeah, he's a guy that would poop in a little girl's face. No, I remember, I think he's like making faces, and you think he's like speaking in tongues, and then they pan out, but he's actually taking a shit. I think that's the joke in the movie. Because I, I want to say, at the very least, he does something... Like, there's a joke in there where he retaliates against her for vomiting on him. Whether he vomits <laughs> back on her, or, like, slaps her in the face, or something. But there's... But I don't think he... I'm, I'm about 90% sure he poops in her face. I don't think he is like, Hey, hey, alright, pay back some bitch, little girl. I mean, I'm just saying, again, if I were writing these movies, James Woods is pooping in Reagan's face. Uh, speaking of people who should be embarrassed, uh, Simon Cowell makes a cameo in this movie, and according to the IMDb trivia, later regretted appearing in the film. I mean, at least it's, like, relevant to, like, like American Idol was a big thing back then, because I don't know if you saw the new Scooby-Doo movie, the CGI one. Uh, Scoob? Yeah. No. Uh, Simon Cowell actually, like, like, his cameo, his jokey cameo as himself becomes, like, a major plot point. Spoilers, if because you don't care. Uh, he turns out to be, I think, one of the guys that's unmasked. Like, like oh, it turns out it was Simon Cowell, because it's a callback to a joke cameo you made. And it's like, but that's in, like, 2020. Like, American Idol's not even on anymore, is it? Or, like, is uh, Simon Cowell relevant anymore? He's on America's Got Talent. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's not well, on see, American Idol anymore. I don't watch any of those shows, so I don't know. But, like, it just seemed like I, n- I hadn't heard of Simon Cowell in years. And, like, this at least, I was like, oh, I guess, yeah, that would have been the heyday of American Idol, so it makes sense. Yeah, this would have been peak American Idol, peak Simon Cowell cameo time. Yeah, this a fucking eight-mile scene. Because then we get Fat Joe rapping, and then it's not even fucking funny. 
like the joke is just he's a white rapper, but that's I mean that's what Eight Mile was about, right? Well, and the and it, the joke doesn't work for me because he's good. He's in the context of being a white rapper. He raps about being white and like being lame. It's a, sort of an SNL connection. It's basically the modern version of Jim Belushi's white guy rap. <laughs> it's almost exactly like that. Uh, but the thing is, like, shouldn't I think the joke should be? Like, did you ever see the sketch on Mr. Show when the guy's like, I'm rapping, I'm rapping, I'm rapping, he rap. Like, it should have been that. Like, he's, like, comically bad. Yeah. But no, he goes, they're all like, oh, white guy can't rap, white guy can't rap. And then he does, and he's good, and they respect him. And then I guess the final joke is, did you understand this, the KKK hood thing at the end of this scene? And, the, and he hiles, well, he waves, but they, they think he's hiling Hitler. Yeah, no, I got it. It wasn't funny. Yeah, but he just pulls up his hood, and then, it, but his hood's like, Spike, did they put something in his hood, or did I miss, like, or did it just happen that his hood looked like, because, and it doesn't even look like a KKK hood. It just looks like he put up his hood, and there's something in his hood, and it makes it spiky. Yeah, no, I don't. Maybe. I mean, we're watching the scene right now. I didn't see them put anything in the hood. I think it was just the idea that, yeah, it was just a, an unnaturally spiky hood. Yeah, no, you, just, you needed to go for a better better fucking joke there. I mean, I, th- I feel like you needed to go for a better joke there is the motto of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, going back to the cold open. So there's a scene where Pamela Anderson and Jenny McCarthy, they're both... Uh, wearing like uh, schoolgirl outfits and they're you know like low cut tops, so their cleavage is out. Yeah. And there's one scene where uh, Pamela Anderson gets scared by a well, first she gets scared by toast, then she gets scared by a bird, and then she takes off her shirt and throws it on the bird cage, and then in the next scene she's just wearing a shirt again. Oh well, that's because the only reason she's there is because she has big boots. Yeah, but why didn't they just keep her without the shirt for the rest of the, the fucking cold open? That I don't know. But I, I I I jokingly said as we were picking this, I don't know if you will keep that in the edit where I said, "Oh, I'm looking at Pamela Anderson's boobs right now. Let's watch this." And I mean, I grew up in the '90s. That was a thing. But yeah, it's just it's weird that like, because like I and I think we've talked about this before on other movies, like. Who is are, are people attracted to this, like to go see Scary Movie three, because they go to the theater because they like Pamela Anderson and her big boobs and they're like I'm gonna see if I can jerk off to completion to the end of this cold open before the movie starts. And then the title comes on and they're like Ah, all done. Like is it a, is that is it a masturbatory game of some <laughs> sort? Why? What is the appeal of that? Why? I don't understand. Like why? Is that a thing that merited hiring these two actresses? Because it's not like they're giving them funny jokes to say. No, the first five minutes of this movie is just focused on Pamela Anderson and Jenny McCarthy's breasts. I mean, and, and I don't even think they, they're necessarily terrible, but it's like, that, 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 that that's clearly the point. So on a larger meta-textual level, what is the point? Yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense, except I guess Harvey Weinstein was like, sex sells... If you put Pamela Anderson and Jenny McCarthy in this movie, we can put them in the poster. And in fact, I think Pamela Anderson's tits are probably smack dab in the center of the poster for this. Isn't like they're all in the movie theater going like, ah, and yeah, Pamela Anderson's got to be in there. I completely forgot. I keep forgetting the Harvey Weinstein of it. Anytime there's a weird sex thing and I'm like, what's the point of that? It's Harvey Weinstein. That's the point. Yeah. And this movie is rated PG-13, so... You know, I wouldn't be surprised if some 13, 14 year old boys were like, hey, <laughs> this is all I can get right now. But no, well, this is the internet age. Don't go to Scary look, Movie 3 for your porn. 2003, it's still, I mean, I can still kind of see it. And 
I mean, I guess I because yeah, I feel like the trailers for this. I don't. I didn't watch the trailers, but I remember them being very Pamela Anderson centric. So, and I feel, I wonder if that's that's also kind of a thing with the cold open. They always bring in like a celebrity that's maybe a little more you know well known than Anna Faris or whoever's going to be in the actual movie. And so I feel like they always advertise that. Like, that's always the trailer, and then, then you go into the movie, and, like, that's the first ten minutes, and then it's a bunch of people you don't care about. Yeah. All right. Well, I know they did that with the either the fifth or the fourth, whichever one Charlie Sheen and Lindsay Lohan are in, because... That's five. Yeah. yeah. And, but that's they're only in the first five minutes of the movie. And I... Were you disappointed when Charlie Sheen came on screen and you realized he was the main character? Because I watched five, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's the one that Charlie Sheen was in. He was in the cold open of five. And then I went, oh, I, I got to turn this off because this isn't the movie we're watching. I'll watch three. And then Charlie Sheen came back and I was like, oh, shit, he's in this one, too. And he's he's not going away. This is the movie now. And he is a doll. Well, because this is pre like Tiger Blood crazy Charlie Sheen. This was he was like not a legitimate actor necessarily, but like I don't understand the draw of putting Charlie Sheen in your movie at this point in 2003. Whereas I get where why he's in it in five, right? Because I think that was around that time. Well, if, well, this would have been like peak two and a half men, Charlie Sheen, and then when Scary Movie five came out, it was peak Tiger Blood, Charlie Sheen. So I think he was a, a draw, but for different reasons. I mean, I didn't get far enough into it to know, but I'm sure they referenced that shit in that scene. And Lindsay Lohan's there too, and of course she at that point she's you know a train wreck of a person, so they're making references to their mutual train wreck lives. Yeah, I believe they're under house arrest. They make that joke too. Yeah, so, but I mean, this isn't a podcast about Scary Movie 5, but I just think it is interesting. We've talked more about the cold open to Scary Movie 5 than we have Scary Movie 3, the movie we watched. But it's it's weird that he's like, he's the main character in this movie, and they're like, yeah, he's just an actor, and he's going to play this part. And then two movies later, it's like, you fucked up your life. Now you're interesting enough to be the character in the cold open that, that will put the trailer around. Uh, oh, also trivia pulled from the internet. Uh, <laughs> this is... Uh, Another movie that we have watched that has um, been nominated for a Teen Choice Award after, uh, was it Daddy Day Camp was nominated for Best Fart? Wait, there were no, there weren't really fart jokes. This was not nominated for Best Fart. Uh, This was nominated for uh, Best Movie Your Parents Didn't Want You to See, but it lost to American Wedding. But when I saw it was nominated for a Teen Choice Award, I was, I was really hoping that we had another Best Fart nominee. (laughs) That we would watch. Well, because I was trying to think, I'm trying to think of a reference to a fart in the movie, and I can't. Um, well, uh, keeping in my tradition of Mr. Skin for farts, at 43 minutes and 55 seconds, in the Anna Ferris and Queen Latifah scene, when Anna Ferris sits down, and there's a fart Oh, noise, that's right, she goes, I forgot. Yeah, she goes, that was the chair, and then Queen Latifah sits down and makes even a bigger fart, so, if you guys... <laughs> If you weirdos are into that, 43 minutes and 55 seconds into Scary Movie 3, you get a nice fart. Please, sit. It was the chair. Yes, the chair. I didn't note it because it's not, I mean, it's not a particularly smart fart joke, but it's not like the man where it's just a guy fart. Like, it's at least a joke. So, like, it's somewhat respectable in that regard. Yeah, um, yeah, I have no other <laughs> notes for this movie. I mean, I don't, I don't have a lot. I was asking questions like, um, 
Uh, is, Aaron, is Anna Ferris still a thing? I can't remember the last thing I've seen her in. I can't remember the last time I saw Anna Ferris in something. Uh, I think Keanu was the last thing. Oh, I can think no. Of. She's on that TV show. Uh, oh, mom, oh, that's right. Alice the mom one. Yeah. Which I've never seen. And I'm so I guess she's something. Always surprised when I find a commercial for mom on the TV and I'm like, wait, what? This is still... Is it still on? It's still on. It's a show. Let's see. What do I got here? Uh, oh, just going back to the 8 Mile scene, uh, there's a scene where... Uh, the What's his name? The the actor that plays the 8 Mile guy? Oh, Karate Dog Zone, Simon Rex. Simon Rex. I just don't want to keep calling him the 8 Mile guy. But uh, there, I was just reminded of... Uh, remember that scene in A Million Ways to Die in the West where uh, Neil Patrick Harris takes a shit in a hat. And it's like, okay, it's fine enough that we, sh- we saw him take a shit. But no, we have to have a scene where we see the shit in the hat. They did that with Vomit, where it's like, he throws up, and then you see there's a guy in there. It's like, yeah, good that we, we got to see the actual Vomit. Because it, it's not like we could have just implied that. Actually, I enjoyed the scene uh, with the Vomit. I When Simon Rex vomited, I wasn't laughing. But when then they had the reveal that he was vomiting on a guy taking a shit, I got a smile out of that. See, but let's let's go back and take that again. When I saw that he was vomiting on a guy taking a shit, I smiled a little bit. <laughs> that's that's where we are with Scary Movie 3. That's what I'm saying. That's a funny joke. The rest, of, the rest of my notes are just separated in things I kind of laughed at and things I absolutely did not laugh at. Yeah, that's basically what I kept just writing down scenes I thought were funny. I really enjoyed the, uh, speaking of the very popular Anthony Anderson, I really enjoyed the scene where they were at Regina Hall's funeral because uh, it got so ridiculous. Yeah. Once the thing, ex- it was. I wasn't laughing until it exploded. Yes, I was reminded of the scene in Holmes and Watson where uh, they they think they killed the queen. Because, uh, <laughs> well, I can't even remember how it starts. It's a, oh, uh, because um, somebody says, oh, this is a or she's a, it, this is awake, and then Simon Rex says, oh, she's awake. She's alive, and so he tries to revive the dead body, and then Anthony Anderson gets on top of the dead body. Uh, it escalates very nicely to the point where <laughs> they're trying to shock her back to life, and her whole body explodes, sending her head and pieces of her body into people's hands. Her mother is holding her head, going, ah! But then the thing is, because like, I did like that, and I liked it for all the, the, the reasons, just how absurd and extreme and crazy it is. But there's also a thread of... The little kid getting beaten up by shit. Like he gets put in the, the ceiling fan and then launched out the window. And then later he's getting beaten by the baseball bat. And at every point I was like, oh, why does the movie think this is funny? But it's a similar kind of gag, which is for some reason I don't I don't like it in, in that context. Yeah, it reminded me of the running gag, uh, the very similar running gag in Freddy Got Fingered. Oh, yeah, that's right. Where he actually, like, died. Doesn't he jump in the propeller blades at the end? I think so. Well, then that's how this movie ends, too. They think that joke is so funny that that's the last shot, is that kid gets hit by a car. When we've already seen him get hit by a car three times in the movie. Like, yeah, how how funny do they think this kid getting just beat the shit out of? But I'm, I'm just going through just stuff, like, the stuff I liked, like, uh, all the food metaphor stuff when they're trying to explain to him that his wife is dead or dying. I like that. Snapping the, snapping the taco and the, the donut and the hot dog. Um, but then, like, right after that, it's like, oh, she wants to fuck him as she's dying. Like, oh, I don't, I don't want to think about that. Yeah. It's like everything that I kind of laugh at is immediately undercut by something that I'm just disgusted by. Oh, yeah. No, there's, like, like I said, about four or five scenes that I laughed at, but... I, not enough to say to ever fucking check out Scary Movie 3. 
Oh, this was a, this actually this scene that we're watching right now in the background led me to a question, and maybe this isn't an important question at all because it's I'm sure the answer is the people behind this movie didn't know, but he's not a priest; he's a pastor. That's why he has a wife. If he was a priest, he wouldn't have a wife. They don't wear the collars, do they? I've... I think that's just a Catholic priest thing. Mm, I have no idea. Because yeah, I don't think like like Protestants wear the collars. So, but he does just because that's like they think. Oh, he's a he's a religious guy. He's clergy, so clergy wear the collars. Well, what would be the alternative? He would just wear a hat that said priest. Well, I think they just they, they just wear regular clothes, don't they? I don't think they. You're asking the wrong fella. I I have no idea on that. I don't know. But it was just another another example of the slipshod nature of Scary Movie well, 3's production. Well, if you want to talk about that, let's go to the end of the movie and talk about the aliens who are just wearing, like, fucking sweatshirts. How fucking cheap was this movie? See, I, I kind of liked that. <laughs> because it was like, it was almost like, we don't give a shit. And you already know this by now. So, like, because that's also in the midst of, that's the, the where uh, Leslie Nielsen's come in as the president, and it's just gone kind of off the rails wacky. So, yeah, like, I think if they'd taken more time and effort, I'd be like, why did you spend so much time trying to convince me that's a real alien on screen, when in the next scene he pees out of his finger? But, you, they so they got these, like, alien heads, like these makeup heads. Then they got the alien hands, these like makeup hands. But then they're just wearing like fucking gray, gray track suits. Yeah, I, I did not have a problem with that. At <laughs> it's all. like fucking what I wear to the gym, like just gray sweatpants and a fucking sweatshirt. Like they couldn't have put on something metallic on there to make it look like an alien spacesuit. Yeah, but before we really get too much into the ending, I do want to talk about. You mentioned George Carlin, and you said you liked that scene. I I mean, and he's always he's. George Carlin, of course, he's great, but that just made me so sad. Like, you only have so many things with George Carlin in them, and he's dead, so he's not making any more of them, and one of them is this fucking piece of shit. Yeah, but then he got the line about Pootie Tang that made me laugh. Yeah, I guess. But when he did first show up, I was like, oh, don't drag George Carlin into this. We, He deserves a little better. We loved our daughter, but she was evil. Made the horses crazy, killed our puppies, hid the remote. Really sick shit. My wife took her to the old family farm and drowned her in a well. I felt a simple timeout would have been sufficient. But Tabitha imprinted her evil on a videotape. I never meant for it to get out, but... But what? And I put it in the wrong box and returned it to Blockbuster, instead of my copy of Pootie Tang. And it's been circulating and killing ever since. Just like Pootie Tang. I mean, he's giving it his all. He's trying to make the material funnier than I think it ever was on paper. But there's only so much even George Carlin can do with this shit. Well, and it's not a very funny character. And it's an extension of the Matrix parody where it's like, I thought this was a parody of horror movies. Why are we in the fucking uh, architect's room in the Matrix? Yeah, that's... uh, Scenes like that and the 8 Mile thing, it just seems like they needed to pad the running time. Like I said, this this movie is an hour and 15 minutes with 10 minutes of end credits. I think they got to a point where they were like, Matrix Reloaded came out this year. I mean, but it's like, again, you have 28 days later, maybe some, one of the characters wakes up from a coma and everybody's a zombie. I mean, the, the plot is so loose and freeform and meaningless anyway. Why not at least just stick to the one thing that should be consistent, which is that this is a series that parodies. It's not like, like Naked Gun doesn't just 
parody fucking Top Gun. They 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 made a separate series of Hot Shot movies to to parody those. That's kind of insulting to me. It makes me feel like like you didn't even have the respect for me as an audience member to stick to the one conceit that I thought was the whole point of this enterprise. Yeah, and when we talk about why Airplane is great, uh, it's because of the way it's directed with all those serious actors and they treat it like a disaster movie. And this movie doesn't have any scares in it. It's doesn't not directed like a horror movie. It's directed like a cheap, straight-to-video, crappy comedy. And I feel like... It would have been much harder to do because you would have been had to be much more aware of the the zeitgeist of horror in real time. But like you could have done a scary movie. Like I'm thinking of like a, an alternate reality scary movie franchise where they didn't parody specific horror films, but they just took like whatever was the you know the the big thing in horror in that time period. It's like and this was you know Japanese horror, it was The Ring and The Grudge and stuff. And there's a weird thing. you know, do a parody of that, but you don't have to actually directly parody The Ring. You just take the tone of those and do a funny version of it. Like Airplane is a parody of movies of the time, but it's not a direct parody of anything, at least that anybody knew. I guess there is some movie, I can't remember what it's called, that it's supposedly like a direct parody of. But Yeah, it's basically a ripoff of a 1950s movie called Zero Hour. But more but no one's ever watched that movie more than that though it's a, like you have like the airport movies and things like that that it was yeah. referencing from the time but not directly not, not directly referencing so, right there's no scenes in those movies that require you to watch the movie to get the gag um for example i keep talking about the 8 mile parody but there was a scene in that where anthony anderson and kevin hart were saying something, and I was like, I know this is like a direct reference to something they said in 8 Mile. Oh, I remember what it was. It, Simon Rex says, like, hey, do you ever want to stop living here and start living here? And then they're like, yeah, but if you live there, then you got to go around to the other side. And I was like, okay, I know that's just referencing a, a single line in 8 Mile that who the fuck would remember unless I just watched 8 Mile last night? And And the problem with that, to me, is always it feels like they were in the movie Eight Mile watching it, and that line came up, and one of the, one of the writers had a hilarious riff on the fucking line as they were walking out of the theater, and they were like, "We gotta put that in a movie somewhere." Oh, I guess there's not really a market for parroting underground rapper movies. Well, we got this scary movie movie. Let's just fucking do it in that. Yeah, why wasn't <laughs> why wasn't there a rap movie? Well, there was Dance Flick, which was kind mm-hmm. of a parody of that kind of thing. I guess, I mean, I feel like it would have fit much more in something like that than, you know, what yeah. we have here. And we could watch Dance Flick because Chris Elliott's in it. Oh, Jesus Christ. Actually, I don't know that we can because I looked for it a while ago and could not find it. Oh, I, I saw it when it came out specifically for Chris Elliott. And then I was like, oh, he's only in the first 10 minutes? Well, I'm not watching anymore. Well, I know he's like a major character in uh, Scary Movie 2. He's like the hunchback freak. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, my God. Scary Movie 2 was dreadful. I remember not enjoying it really at all, um, but yeah, I, I I didn't like the first one either. Yeah, well, I didn't. Well, and that I mean, I'm not even really a fan of the kind of horror movies any of these movies are parroting. Like, I wasn't really a big fan of the Scream movies or the Japanese horror movies of this era. So it's like, like I'm not really engaged with it even on that level. Yeah, and I think you can really point to Scary Movie as the the turning point of crappy parody movies i mean i know we've we've watched plump fiction which came before scary movie but scary movie really i mean that ushered in all the friedberg seltzer movies the entire scary movie franchise 
Uh, yeah, it was a real, <laughs> just a real dark, dark time. Well, I would say the caliber of parody movies went downhill long before it with not just Plum Fiction, but also Spy Hard and Wrongfully Accused. But those were all bombs. Scary Movie was the first one that was a proof of concept that was commercially viable. That was like, oh, parody movies can still suck and people will still watch them. So let's just keep making shitty ones, that, that, but that reference current things people care about. Um, why was uh, Macy Gray and the Wu-Tang Clan? Why did they show up? And fucking like Method Man and Red Man, I think. Yeah, point? they're in the Wu-Tang Clan. Oh, were they in the Wu-Tang I think it's Clan? The whole, I think it's the whole Wu-Tang Clan that shows See, up. See, I don't know enough about the Wu-Tang Clan to know that it was all of them. or I recognize some of those and I assumed others were... Because I think Master P was one of them as well. But why are they there? I have no idea. It's beside the point. They're there to... Why are they there? They're there to, uh, I think, make black people look bad? Is that... Because that's... The idea is they show up in like this moment as if they're going to be heroic, and then they, they devolve into petty squabbles and then kill each other? Yep. And then immediately shoot each other. Yeah. And I just felt like... And again, I the fact that I look at it through a racial lens is because I'm a white privileged asshole, but I just... I, I We've watched too many movies like Who's Your Caddy where it's like... You're you're gonna do something like this where you it kind of makes you look not great as a representative, you know? I, I don't know, and maybe they are. No, but... well, and we haven't talked about Regina Hall that much either. But Regina Hall is, um, I think, a fantastic actress. But yeah, I just felt bad for her in this, and then this whole scary movie franchise because she has to play that caricature that she plays. Well, and that's the thing all the all the black people in this franchise are kind of really just racist, offensive caricatures of black people. Yeah, no, they're over-the-top stereotypes. And I mean, I guess you could say uh, fucking uh, Rex or whatever the fuck his name, I can't, I've literally already forgotten his name, uh, he's a stereotype of a white guy, but like that's not a bad thing because we're in charge of the world. It's kind of bad right. when you're, you know, playing this stereotype of a black person and like, it, it's, I don't know, it's just, it made me feel bad. Yeah, well, because then I'm, you know, it's hard for me to not, peek behind the scenes and imagine the director going, could you, like, be more black? Yeah. Like, just, just black it up a little bit? Well, because, like, I, there was a line in the 8 Mile bit where uh, Anthony Anderson was like, yeah, you're going to uh, you're gonna be a white rapper and you're going to show all us black rappers how rap's really done. And, like, he's saying it, it contextually, it's unironic, but the 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 ironic joke is, of course, you know, how how dare you think you can do this? And that's also a joke on, on 8 Mile itself. But it's like the the movie doesn't... I don't think it understands that like when you then have him go on and actually be good and do that, then it's not really a joke anymore. <laughs> I liked Jeremy Piven reading the teleprompter. Oh, you mean uh, saying the N-word on camera? <laughs> yeah, I liked that. I did like... I mean, because in context, it, it's funny because it's a guy yes. making... making. It's the Anchorman joke. He'll read anything that goes on the teleprompter. And when the black guy that hates him is writing it... Yeah, but now it's problematic for two reasons. Because at first you're like, Jeremy Piven, whatever happened to that guy? Oh, yeah. Then he says the N-word and you're like, oh, wow. Turning now to sports. And an evil videotape that kills anyone who watches it in seven days. It's true. We're all in danger. There's oh, an alien no. force out there that's trying to prevent you from knowing the truth. Campbell, are you Trust insane? Me, it's a horrible fate. Doesn't you hear me? Correction, there really is no danger. Actually, I didn't really mean anything I just said. Yes, I did. Everyone watching this could be dead in a week. 
Oh, Shizzle Gizengar. But I gotta gotta but I gotta but I gotta but I gotta 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 Alright, so let's talk about what we're going to do next week. I have rolled a random number generator. I have picked number 101, and that is Lorraine Newman. Okay, let's do our due diligence looking up Lorraine Newman's filmography so that we can skip Lorraine Newman. Well, Lorraine Newman was the reason we watched Invaders from Mars. Uh, Lorraine Newman is in Holy Moses. Lorraine Newman is in Perfect, the John Travolta, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis movie. That's the, the... Like not yoga, but like a it's like a uh, aerobics movie, right? Uh, yeah, that is the movie where um, I believe John Travolta plays a reporter and he is uh, investigating the uh, happening world of uh, aerobics. I mean, it's not going to be a good movie, but I feel like it has the potential to be a good Saturday Night Drive podcast movie, or not. It's either it's either going to be like amazingly terrible and weird. Or just the most boring thing in the world. I wouldn't mind watching Perfect. Um, I would also check out The Flintstones. See, The Flintstones, I feel like, is just going to be, like, maybe okay, but mostly mediocre in terms of its interest level for the podcast. Problem Child 2, if we wanted to start with a sequel. that all, I believe that also has Gilbert Gottfried in it as well, doesn't it? does have Gilbert Gottfried in it. Perfect has my vote. I would say either Perfect or Problem Child 2. Alright. So, looks like we may... Looks like we may have trouble finding Perfect from 1985. So if we can't find Perfect from 1985, we're going. We're sticking with Problem Child too. Do you not have? A, do you have a problem with Problem Child too? Is that? Oh no! I just thought like, oh wait, that's the second best option. I mean, I'm not anticipating it's going to be good, but you got Gilbert Gottfried in, I want to say, a leading role. I think he's like the antagonist of the movie, or I guess the problem child is the antagonist. He's probably the hero, right? I I have no idea. I, I've never seen any of the problem child movies. Or is this a movies. Tarantino-esque universe where there are no good guys? Well, the, the main reason I would love to watch Problem Child 2 is because I have no idea what happens in Problem Child 1. Uh, he's a he's a kid, and he's mischievous, and Gilbert Gottfried is the brunt of his mischief. I believe that's all you need to know. I've never seen any of them. That's all I know about them, but uh, I think that's is enough. Is he like... I th- maybe he's the principal? Yeah, I think he's like the Jeffrey Jones and Ferris Bueller. Yeah. But All it's right. a kid instead of a, teen, a high schooler. Well, I'm almost more excited to watch Problem Child 2 now. Uh, all right, so if we can't find Perfect, starring John Travolta and Jamie Lee Curtis and Lorraine Newman, we will be watching Problem Child 2, starring John Ritter, a precocious little child, and Lorraine Newman and Gilbert Gottfried. I forgot John Ritter's in it. John Ritter's the hero, obviously. Um, and if we can't find either of those, we're going to probably find some shit on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, if we can't find Problem Child 2... Uh, well, fuck it. We won't have a podcast anymore. That's it. That's it. If we can't find one of these two movies, no more Saturday Night Jive ever. Nope. It all hinges on the availability of Problem Child 2. All right. Yeah, I got nothing else. Nope, that's it. Well, that's because we watched Scary Movie 3. There's not that much to talk about. I know. Nothing fucking to talk about. All right. So until we see you again. Get off Get off this shit. No more drama. Want to make a scary movie? Rappers coming in with their team and carry coolies. You could jump right out of the screen and barely 
the rap and a star in it. Y'all want drama? Wanna make a scary movie? Rappers coming in with their team and